0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Now, you know, on Wednesday evenings, we are teaching along the lines of faith and the importance of faith a comprehensive look at faith for specific reasons. Because the work of God is the work of faith with power. And to maintain balance, we have to feed our faith and also continue to move and flow with the ministry of the Holy Ghost. To be frank about it, it would be wonderful if all we had to do was worship God. Not have to study His Word, just come together, worship God, just have a move of His Spirit and just enjoy the presence of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And if we could be complete as a Christian just by doing that, it would be marvelous. There wouldn't be any work or effort on our part, would there? We wouldn't have to grow in faith, would we? we just come together in the name of Jesus by the blood of the Lamb and lift our hearts and voice to God, play our musical instruments and sing to our heart's content. Stay in His wonderful presence and let the anointing fall upon us. Hallelujah. And then when it's all over, just go our way and come back and do it again. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't have to study the Word of God, wouldn't have to grow in faith and or anything like that. Forget about you know what the Word says about love and all growing in that and everything, and just 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 live in that presence and you know have that wonderful manifestation of God's presence and that be it. That's all there is to it. But it's not like that, is it? We need both. We need the move of the Spirit. We need the Word of God. It's the work of faith with power. So Wednesday nights we talk about faith. Sunday nights we promote the move of God's Spirit, and Sunday is as we are led of the Lord to talk about specific subjects that are vital to all of our Christian experiences. Amen? Tonight, again, faith. A comprehensive look at faith. First Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible, if I have your permission to do so. Who are being guarded, garrisoned by God's power through your faith till you fully inherit that final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. You should be exceedingly glad on this account, though now for a little while you may be distressed by trials and suffer temptations, so that the genuineness of your faith may be tested. Your faith, which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold, which is tested and purified by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, is revealed. First of all, have you ever really considered the value of your personal faith? Now, prior to this, we talked about the things Jesus said about faith, and Jesus said a lot of things about faith and how faith would work for us in a positive and powerful way in our lives in this earth. He expected us to have faith to remove mountains, faith to cause the wind, the wave, and the sea to be still, and faith to do miraculous things in our lives on earth. Here, Peter talks about faith as being something that is valuable to our lives. More precious, more valuable than gold. Why is that? Well, he talks about why. You see, our faith provides for us things that gold and money cannot provide. Salvation being the very first thing that it provides. You don't have enough money in your pocket, your bank account, and there's not enough gold in the world to save a soul. But by grace are you saved through faith. You see why faith is so valuable and faith is so precious? It's more precious than fine gold. It's more valuable than than all the monies this world has to offer because it provides things that otherwise we cannot experience or enjoy. Think about how hard people work to get money. Think about the many hours that are devoted and dedicated to earning a living. If you really consider it, you go back to when you became uh, probably 16 years old and you began to enter into the workforce or work field and, and you began to work all your life. And you're still working right now and you're going to work throughout all your life and you're working hard at it. And it never ceases, and it never ends. One continues to work and work and work and work and work and work and work. And what's the whole reason behind that? So that you can earn money, provide for your family, etc., etc. Well, beloved, faith is much more precious than gold. Faith is more valuable than all the money that we could possibly accumulate in this life. How much time, effort, and energy does one put into the development of his or her own personal faith life? If you look at it that way, beloved, it should be something that motivates us to put more time, effort, and energy to the development of our faith, just like one puts a lot of effort into earning money to survive upon this earth. What else is it that it provides for us? Well, Peter talked about some things right here. Look at verse 5. Who are being guarded or garrisoned by God's power through your faith. How is it that God's power garrisons my life, guards and protects me while I'm here on this earth through my faith? Stop there just for a moment. Have you ever realized or recognized that it's your faith that determines the power of God that garrisons your life? Have we ever taken that into consideration? In other words, the words we speak, the faith that we release will determine the environment in which we live. We can be garrisoned about or protected or guarded by the power of God while we're at home in the earth by speaking words of faith or we can weaken that protective power that God provides for His children by speaking words of doubt and unbelief. A lot of people have never learned that and they don't recognize that. And they live in an environment of fear and anxiety because, you see, they haven't recognized their need to develop and and speak forth their faith that will allow God while they're here on earth to guard them and garrison about them, to protect them in this life. Peter here makes it very clear that it's through faith we are protected till you fully inherit that final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. In other words, while we're living on earth, our faith is very valuable and precious Not only are we saved by it, but we're protected or guarded by the power of God while we're on earth until we see the full realization of our salvation. And then in the next verse, He gives us another revelation. You should be exceedingly glad on this account. In other words, with this knowledge that your faith can unleash the protective power of God to keep you while you're on earth waiting for the fullness of your redemption and salvation to appear, you should be exceedingly glad. I'll read it again. You should be exceedingly glad on this account, though now for a little while you may be distressed by trials and suffer temptations. In other words, even though right now you're experiencing trials, circumstances, temptings, testings, the trying of your faith and all that, even though all this is coming against you to cause you to be full of maybe anxiety, worry, fear, distress, and all that. He said, you should be glad rather than being burdened down or weighed down by the trials. Well, why is that? Why should we be glad? Because when they come our way, these temptings or these testings or these tryings of our faith, If we speak faith rather than doubt and unbelief, it assures us that the power of God is unleashed to protect us. And our faith, when tried by fire, then will grow and be refined or purified. It's like this. There you are standing. It's a beautiful day. There's no problem. As a matter of fact, we have had some gorgeous days lately, haven't we? Beautiful, sunny, bright days. No clouds in the sky. Beautiful temperature. You're standing out there maybe at noontime and it's about 65, 70 degrees and no rain clouds or anything like that. And my, isn't it wonderful? And what's your countenance like? Ah, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. But listen, God is saying here, so there comes a cloud at one o'clock in the afternoon. And there you are, still standing in the same spot. What has changed? Not you, your environment. The atmosphere that you're in has changed. But God is saying, I want you to stay the same. I don't want you to change. I don't want you to be moved by the circumstance, the temptation, the test, or the trial. I want you to stand firm And here comes the rain. I mean, it's pouring now. And you just had your hair done and your hair is just beginning to fall all over the place, I mean to tell you. you know. But you don't utter a sound. You don't make a move. You don't make a false step. You stand there and everything inside you wants to jump out of your skin, out of your body, wants to do something, say something negative or whatever. But God is saying, look, It doesn't matter what's coming your way. I want you to stand firm in faith, believing. And this trying of your faith right now is just designed to get you out of faith. It's trying to see what stuff you're made up of, in other words. Stand there and let it come. Let it rain. Let it pour. And all of a sudden, you still stand. I mean, you're standing there and all of a sudden, November comes around and you're still standing and all of a sudden now, it's snowing and there's ice forming on your head. And there you are. You're still standing. Your environment has changed. Your atmosphere has changed. But there you are. What are you saying? Life is wonderful. Glory to God. Jesus is still the Lord of my life. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not changing. I'm stationary in Christ Jesus. For in Him I live and move and have my being. But wait a minute. Haven't you looked outside? Haven't you seen the snowflakes falling? And there you are. Immovable. Unshakable. yep, that's me. And those are circumstances and those are testings and those are trying of my faith. But you know what? I'm not dodging. Can you see that analogy? In other words, when we face life's fights, what do we do? When we face life's, life's tests and storms, what do we do? Do we buckle under the pressure and change? Or do we still say, No, thank God, all is well with my soul. I want to teach you about that tonight because I think it's important to all of our lives. And if you want to understand how your faith can grow and develop and how God expects us to use our faith in this life, this will bless you. It will absolutely revolutionize your life if you've never heard teaching along this line before. He said, be exceedingly glad when you encounter the difficulties of life. Why? Because your faith is being refined. As a matter of fact, we read on. So that the genuineness of your faith may be tested... Your faith, notice, your faith which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold which is tested and purified by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, is revealed. It's not talking about your unbelief, your murmuring, and your complaining. It's talking about when the temperature changes, when the climate changes, when circumstances change and you're tested and you're being tried and you're under pressures of life and, and circumstances, you don't cave in and you don't murmur and you don't complain. You stand there in the midst of it all and still say, no, with the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. No, my God supplies all of my need. No, I'm not weak. I'm strong in the Lord in the power of His might. You are staying unchangeable in faith. And that is your faith at work in the midst of adversity And as a result, it redounds unto your praise and to the glory of God. See, it's not your unbelief that does, it's your faith that does. Now, the next question is, well, who's the one that's trying my faith? It must be uh, God doing it then if that's the case. No, that's not true. Book of James, if you would please, chapter 1. In the book of James in chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tempted, tested, or tried, you can put all that together in there, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. But look at verse 13. James 1:13. Let no man say. Everybody say, no man. no man. When he is tempted, tested, or tried, I am tempted, tested, or tried of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Temptations are going to come. Trying of our faith is going to come. And afflictions are going to come. And all these different things are going to come against us in life. But let no man say they come from God. Where do they come from? Next verse. But every man is tempted by the devil. Every man is tempted by the devil when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, it may be true that Satan will draw you away, but it's of your own lust. It's of my own lust. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? Certainly it does. In other words, because of our fallen state, because of the evil tendencies that there are and that exist in the world today... We could be drawn away. We could be enticed, baited by the devil. But really, if we say no, we don't have to be overcome. See, a person could be tempted, let's say, to steal something from a store. But he doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. A person could be tempted to pick up a pornographic magazine or something like that. He doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. But he's being baited and what happens is what? He's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. And what happens is this. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it's finished brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. What do you mean? Do not err. Don't err by saying God tempted me, that God tested me, that God tried me. God's bringing these afflictions in my life. Don't be in error or deceived and say that, my beloved. Because in verse 17 it says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And those aren't good and perfect gifts, is from above, which cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begat us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. In other words, if man gets angry with God, how is it going to work God's righteousness in his life? And if God's the one afflicted me, hey, let's face it right now. If God's afflicting you, there's no way of escape. If God is my problem, I've got a big problem. I mean, if I'm going to have to outdo God, I forget it. You can't do it. Someone said, God made me sick. Well, if He did, you'll never get well. And you'll never get well by a doctor. You'll never get well by medication. You'll never get well until God removes the sickness. Isn't that true? Well, if God brought it, a doctor's not big enough to take it away. I mean, that's a fact. And they're not changing God's mind. I mean, surgery doesn't change God's mind. So, you see, God's not the author of it. God's not the one that did it. And we're going to have to understand where things come from and recognize that so that we can use our faith to stand against it. See, if you thought God did it, you wouldn't use your faith. You'd accept it and receive it and say, oh, good, great, wonderful. So God wants us to understand that. Now, we understand the fact that God is not the author of our afflictions, but they are going to come. And if they're going to come, we've got to learn how to react. He said, be exceedingly glad using your faith, knowing that you're garrisoned about with the power of God to protect you. Now, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would please, chapter 4, because this will offer more light on how To view afflictions and develop faith in our lives. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, beginning at verse uh, 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. In other words, the outward man is aging and growing older, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Do you know on the inside you're eternal? On the inside you'll never cease to exist. Aren't you glad for that? And the outward man may be perishing, but the inward man's renewed day by day. And you know what that means? The inward man is greater than the outward man. And so no matter what comes against the outward man, if we'll learn to look to the inward man, the inward man could provide what is necessary to overcome the outward man's problems. Boy, I like that, don't you? Okay, now let's read on. For our light affliction, what is that? The afflictions that come at us externally... The trials, the tempting, the testing, all these things that come against us in life, okay all those things that come against us are called but lot afflictions, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Here is a different way to view the affliction that comes against us in life. Now, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So we're going to encounter afflictions simply because we have earthly bodies and we live here on the earth. So we're going to encounter afflictions and persecutions and temptings and testings and trials of our faith, but those lot of afflictions can work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory if we view them properly if we don't they won't if we do they will look at the next verse while we look at look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal Now, he is telling us that if we want our afflictions that come against us in life to work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, then we have got to learn to look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So it works this way. If I'm caught up in looking at the things that are seen, then those light afflictions are not going to work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But if I learn or discipline myself to look at things that are not seen, then those afflictions are going to work in my life for me a far more in eternal exceeding weight of glory. This is a secret to the life of faith. Anyone that really desires to have the kind of faith that Jesus operated in must learn this truth and then do his or her part To develop this ability to look not at things seen and look at things that are not seen. Unseen things that he's referring to are spiritual forces, unseen things are spiritual laws, unseen things are principles of the spirit the unseen power of the Word of God. See, things that are not revealed to the natural senses, those things are eternal, whereas the things that are seen are revealed to us in the world in which we live, those things are temporal and those things are subject to change. Eternal things are not subject to change. Temporal things are subject to change. And so let's look at these two things. We right now don't have to do anything to be programmed to closely look at things that are temporal. From day one, we've been dominated by the natural things of this world. We don't have to be taught about the five senses. They speak for themselves. It's natural for us to look at natural things. The things we see, feel, taste, touch, smell, all all the five senses in here, those things that are natural to us, they're temporal, and automatically we are programmed to be governed by them. Things that are not seen are revealed to us in the Word of God. Angels exist, and they're in the unseen world right now. And you know what? If no one told us that, we'd never know about it. And if we didn't discipline ourselves to recognize the fact that they're out there and they can work for us if we learn the truth about the Word of God, we would be unaware of their presence and also of their ministry that is to us. For they're all ministering spirits and for to minister for us, for we who are the heirs of salvation. Unseen things are not natural to look at. We must be made aware of those things and their existence and then we must discipline ourselves to look at those things until they become more of a reality to us than things seen. And that is a golden nugget. Some people wonder why they're not getting faith miracles. It's because we must get to the place where things unseen become more real to us than things that are seen. You see, if we want the reality of these things, then we must line up with God, His laws, His principles, His forces of light, and apply them to our lives. But in order to do so, God needs us to cooperate with Him by not looking at things seen and allowing them to dominate our actions, our thoughts, our words. We have to shift over and look at things that are not seen, in such a way until they become realities and more real to us than what we actually see as far as the problem is concerned. See, seeing things could be defined as being the problem. Have you ever told somebody, can't you see the problem? Oh, I can see it. It's very plain as the nose on my face. I can see the problem. A seen thing could be a specific circumstance. A seen thing could be, I opened up the checkbook and saw no money. Yep, I saw it. I see it. It could be a sickness. It could be a disease. I see it. It's something seen. It could be a rebellious child. Can't you see how rebellious my child is? I certainly can. We all can. We can tell. We can see it with our natural eyes. It's obvious to all of us. Can't you see they're having problems in their marriage? We can see that. Yep, we can really see that. Hey, beloved, it does not take some spiritual giant to see the problem. Come on, that was a weak amen. (laughs) It doesn't take a spiritual giant to see the problem. That's easy. It sticks out like this piano right there. You can see the problem. So don't expect any awards from God because you can see the problem. That's easy. It's looking at the solution to the problem and seeing it above the reality of the problem that works for us a far more eternal weight of glory. But that's not an easy thing to do. That takes this one. You see why I said earlier, wouldn't it be nice if all we had to do was just come and bless God? Hallelujah, glory to God. I love you, Jesus. And then when problems come, oh, you know... What an awful day this is. Wouldn't it be nice if God didn't mind us talking like that? Well, saint, he does. He does mind. He wants us to line up with his word. I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans and give you an illustration. We've got to learn to shift our sight over to the spiritual realm and behold the things that are not revealed to the natural eye until those things become realities... And dominate our lives above our five senses and what they indicate. In the book of Romans chapter 4, we have a perfect illustration of what we're teaching tonight. In verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 19, and I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible because it's very explicit, very explicit with regard to the problem. The problem is easily seen or looked at. Romans 4, 19 in the Amplified states this. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. You cannot be more explicit than that. That verse in the Amplified makes it very clear to us the reason why they could not conceive and bear a child, right? They were incapable of bearing children. That was the problem. We can identify with that. We can see that. We can look at that. And that is something that usually does speak to a person's life and mind, wouldn't you say? And so, Abraham considered the deadness of Sarah's womb, his inabilities to procreate. He considered them to be a reality. But there was something that was more real to Abraham than those natural realities he began to look not at his problem or his inabilities. He began to look at something above the problem. He didn't look at things seen and exalt those things above the Word of God. He exalted the Word of God above things seen. He exalted the powers of the supernatural world above the powers of the natural world. That's called looking at things that are not seen and placing them above things that are seen. Can you see that? See, that's what He began to do. As a result, God began to do a work in His life and in their bodies. He shifted over and began looking at what was not seen until it became a reality. Now, I want to show you that that perfectly defines faith. Listen carefully. He shifted over to the spiritual realm, and he began to look at unseen things until they became a reality. Can you see that? And that takes discipline. Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, hold that thought and look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Collect these thoughts together and you'll find a perfect explanation of how faith works. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Did you hear that? It's the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith, and I love this, perceiving as fact what is not revealed to the senses. You see how faith involves a perception? of things not seen? Faith perceiving as fact what is not revealed to the five senses. Looking not at things seen, but at things not seen. For things seen are temporal or subject to change, but things that are not seen are eternal and not subject to change. May I ask you this question? Why are we putting so much stock in things that are subject to change? and not putting more in things that are not subject to change? Why do we spend more time looking at things that are subject to change and less time looking at things that are not subject to change? You see how we can become stabilized in faith by continuing to look at things that are not subject to change. But what about this? That's subject to change. What about my lack? That's subject to change. What about my fear? That's subject to change. What about this circumstance? That's subject to change. What about Sarah's condition of the body? That's subject to change. What about me? Abraham said, well, that's subject to change. Uh, I'm going to read that again. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Now, hold that thought. Because we're going to go back just for a minute here in the Amplified and look at Romans chapter 4. And I want you to see something that Abraham did in connection with hope. In Romans 4, verse 18 For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone. Did you hear that? For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone. Hoped on in faith. All human reason for hope was gone. So he stopped looking at that and he hoped on in faith is the substance of you what you hope for. In other words, in the natural, nothing else could offer hope. For the situation. Do you see that point? And so he had to totally turn away from natural help. Faith is the substance of what you hope for. He found his hope in God. Faith gave substance to his hope. See, he longed for a child, but that hope was totally wiped out because he was well beyond the age, etc., etc. You know the story. But now God rekindled that by having him put his focus on the living God. And so it says, For Abraham, human reason for hope was gone, but he hoped on in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because it was a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead and womb, No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. Boy, I like that, don't you? But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Fully satisfied and assured. What is faith? It's the title deed. It's the assurance that you have in your heart of things not seen until they become a reality. Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep His Word and to do what He had promised. Faith totally shifts over from what is seen. It begins to look at what is what is not seen with confidence and assurance that what God promised He's able to perform. And so I'm going to look at this unseen thing that is eternal Not subject to change until its power rises above and changes what is seen. That's called faith. What is your affliction tonight? What is your problem tonight? Is it fear? Is it lack? Is it sickness? Is it disease? Is it a rebellious child? Maybe a child going through adolescence and rebelling against certain things. And what is your problem? Well, God is saying it's time to stop looking at the problem and feeding on the problem and to start looking at the solution to the problem through the eyes of faith. Stop looking at his at what is taking place in the natural and start looking what has taken place in the supernatural. In other words, collect these verses in your heart and mind and be diligent enough and dedicated enough before God to start disciplining yourself to looking at unseen forces that are not subject to change allowing them to rise up above and dominate those things that are subject to change. And what God is saying is this. If you'll do it, it'll work for you a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Your faith will be refined. It will redound into the praise and glory of God and it will bring reality to your life. Lack Will be overcome to the power of God as He supplies every need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. A rebellious child will will submit to the power of the living God that is manifested as you look not at His rebellion but at the power of God and the love of God and the work of God and the angels of God that are loosed to minister for him. And he'll bow his knee as God's power is manifest in his life. And you know what? To illustrate that, you take the prodigal son. While he was in father's house, he enjoyed all the family rights and privileges, but one day... He made up his own mind. He was going to go off and do what he wanted to do with his own life. And he did. You know the story. He did. Took off and lived wildly, the Bible says, in other cities with, you know, wild women, spending all of his money and all that. He finally got to a low place in his life. He began to eat with the hogs, right? Now, you put yourself in the position of a mother, watching your child do this. The average mother would be overwhelmed by what she Sees. Is that not true? And you know what? I wouldn't criticize a person for it. We're not here to criticize anybody. We're here to help people. I wouldn't criticize a person for being overcome by that because that's an awful thing to have to encounter in life. But here's the point: your looking at it is not going to change the situation. Your're being dominated by what you see is not going to change the situation. That affliction that has come against you, but for the moment, if you allow it, will work for you a far more eternal weight of glory if you'll stop looking at what you see and start looking at what you don't see. You don't see Him serving God, do you? But stop looking at what you see. Don't look at that. Start looking at, thank you, Father, for the angels that are loose. Thank you for the laborers that are crossing His path. Thank you that everywhere He goes, your power is manifested. The glory of God is manifested that he may come to his senses and recognize and fully understand that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Father, I'm looking to you. I'm looking to your power. I'm looking to your might, the powerful name of Jesus. I unleash all these powers, these unseen forces over his life in the name of Jesus. I make a highway for you to move in a glorious way in my child's life. I thank you for it. I'm not going to get caught up in what I see. I'm getting caught up in what I don't see. Hallelujah. Do you, do you see that? And while you're seeing this, something is happening over there. Now, here's this boy. I mean, he gets to the place of, uh, you know, desperation. And all of a sudden, he comes to his senses. Now, we don't have the full revelation of everything that took place. But obviously, we understand that some things were working out there and he still had a conscience, didn't he? And when he found himself in the low state that he was in, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to repent and go back to my father's house. Even the lowest person has it better than what I do out here. He learned a lesson the hard way, went to the school of hard knocks. And you know the end of the story. It's easier to get caught up in seeing the problem than it is the solution to the problem. But you see, even though the problem was enormous, you can still see that in this person's life, the unseen forces of God were at work just to touch his conscience and bring him back to God. Can you see that? To bring him back to Father's house the love of God at work, the mercy of God at work. It may not be seen, but thank God it's out there working. Aren't you glad? Let's look at that rather than look at the problem until it brings reality to our lives. Now, beloved, the problem is seen. The solution is unseen. The problem is subject to change. The solution is not subject to change. What is seen must become more real to us than what is unseen. Those are statements that we need to take to heart. The problem is seen. The solution is unseen. What is unseen must become more real to us than what is seen. Now, what is the establishing force behind the image of unseen things? What is the establishing force behind the image of unseen things? You know, seen things will produce an image You can see yourself defeated. You can see yourself poor. You can see yourself sick. You can see yourself inferior. And you know what? The more you see yourself that way, the more real that becomes. Some people are sent to seminars just so that they can be better educated as far as how to overcome low self-esteem and that sort of thing. And what are they trying to do? Trying to get them to see differently. When you enter into sales, they send you to seminars where you can learn how to have a better positive attitude about your approach. Because if you can't overcome low self-esteem and inferiority, you can't sell. You've got to be confident in your abilities. Is that not correct? When you get shipped over to the army somewhere, they're going to make a man out of you or the Marines or something like that by putting other information into you to get you to see yourself in a different light. Isn't that true? Come on. We've heard it said about rebellious children. Man, send them off into the army or the marines or somewhere, you know, and, and let's, let's get them to grow up. And they see themselves differently. They see life differently many of the time or much of the time, I should say. The establishing force behind the image of unseen things, beloved, is God's Word, be it spoken or written. The unseen force behind the image is the Word of God spoken or written? God's Word is designed to give me a better image of myself and also to provide the image of the solution to the problem. We cannot or be a, we can't afford to allow circumstances or the cares or the trials or the tests that we encounter in life to produce images in us. If we allow that, they will dominate our lives, our words, our actions. They will hold us in bondage and control us. We must look to the Word of God, find the solution to the problem, allow God to build within us the image of success, the image of victory and being victorious, the image of healing in our inward parts why we look not at that which is seen but at that which is unseen because what is unseen will change what is seen but what is seen will never change what is unseen Did you get that There's not enough power in seen things to change what is unseen You may see lack in your life but God says I supply all your need according unto my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And there isn't enough lack in the world to change what God's provision is. Can you see that? There's no sickness, there's no sin that's more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ and the healing virtue of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll close with this verse, if you see yourself weak weakness will dominate you if you see yourself sick sickness will dominate you if you see yourself unsuccessful you'll be unsuccessful and dominated by a lack of success if you see yourself poor poverty will dominate you if you see your children as only rebellious and don't take the necessary steps to see them delivered from their rebellion, you'll contribute to their rebellious state. And you won't unleash God's power over their lives. Verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down Images or imaginations. Stop right there for a moment. Images have been produced in people's lives. First of all, thoughts produce images, produce strongholds. We think wrong about ourselves. We think wrong about the problems. We think wrong about the afflictions all of a sudden an image is produced and now there's a satanic stronghold in a person's life. He sees himself weak. He thinks he's weak. He sees himself weak. And now he has the image of a weak person and all of a sudden he is dominated by weakness never to rise up above it. But if that person will cast down the thought of weakness and look to the strength of God, look to the word that says, If we wait upon the Lord, then we'll exchange strengths with the Lord. His strength will become ours. And start saying, I can do all things through Christ, who is the strength of my life, and replacing that which is subject to change with that which is not subject to change. It will not be long before the strength of God takes over. And we rise up Seeing ourselves strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Having the image of ourselves as being strong in the Lord and power of His might. And then we develop a stronghold for God. God is now, are you ready for? Guarding my life, garrisoning about me with His strength because I don't see myself weak. I don't have the image of a weak person. I see myself strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Well, I look not at things seen, but not seen, until they become reality. I cast down the other image, replace it with the image that comes from the Word of God. Amen. And you can take that in every area of life. Faith perceiving as fact, what is not revealed to the senses. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me,